Welcome to Confessions of Ignorance. This is Emily. And this is Kirsten. And Kirsten, today we are becoming less ignorant about AI, also known as artificial intelligence. Also known as the robots that are taking over the world. But before we get into that, let's do a little catch up on something we were talking about this morning, which is actually not something we've just talked about this morning, something we've talked about many times, which is our Amazon purchases. Mm, (laughs) I'm sure the listeners want an update on you know, how that's going, what weird things we're buying, et cetera. But I first want to preface this by saying I have been doing really well with my spending. I have been trying to be more mindful about the way that I spend money. Yes. This was a goal actually that I gave you at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That I've taken very seriously as I take every goal of mine. Yes. And in doing so, I have been really trying to taper down the Amazon purchases. It is Much easier said than done. Much easier said than done. Um, But our sister went one step further this week and deleted her entire account. I thought she just deleted the app, but no, no, no. She like took down her entire account. No, she really was like, okay, well, I got a one-up Kirsten, so this, I guess, is the next step. Mm -hmm. I just have to delete my account. Yeah. So she she, like can't buy anything. Kirsten was like, well, why don't you just like – you can just like go on your web browser because Kirsten cool. thinks she just deletes the app. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, Kirsten, she deleted the account, not not just the app. Like she can't even log in anymore. So do, so she yes. would have to create a whole new account for herself. Ended her membership, everything. Basically, this is equivalent to cutting up your credit card. That's what she did for Amazon. She yeah. took away the ability to even be able to purchase anything. Which I was just shocked. I mean, like – full shock. I rely on Amazon so much. So to have that taken away would mm-hmm. be a really scary thing. Terrifying. It would it would really inconvenience my life. I feel like I would have to alter significantly the way I live my life. Yeah. I Well, that's how we used to live. We used to live in a day and age where if you wanted something, you had to get in a car. Yeah. We don't to, have to talk to, about to, that. To those travel, dark times. To travel to a place. And you had to take your young children, put them in a shopping cart, cart them no around just for one item. And we don't have to do that anymore, which I, I feel like is such a luxury and a gift. And she just shut it down. But it does make us, and this was her point. She was saying, it makes me spend more money than necessary because it's such an immediate thing. And I, I'm not always thinking through, do I really need this? Is this really necessary? Like, I think if something is worthy of getting in your car for driving to the grocery store, going inside and getting it, it's a probably like a justified purchase. Mm-hmm. That's true. But then you're at the store and then you're seeing all these other things that are exciting. And it's also dangerous, but, but she's, the reason this happened is she bought two things on Amazon that were very quick, um, kind of like impulse buys. One of the things she ended up not really liking, didn't really feel like it worked that well. And then the other thing she was like, I could have totally done without this. I don't, but she did it to get to the free same day shipping. I think it's like a $25 cap, like a 25 minimum you'll get same day delivery. Yeah. So then that really set her over the edge, <laughs> that experience. She's like, we're shutting it down. Um, and, and it brought up an interesting discussion because I said, well, what doesn't the real power lie in having the account, but just being better about using it? And we kind of started to equate this to when you have like an elimination diet, when you just cut something out completely instead of learning how to use it in moderation, which I know for some people actually works really well. And sometimes you have to go without something to even learn how to control yourself around it. Like you do have to remove it and then introduce it back in. And then you feel like you're stronger and now you can do it. So kind of like you need a cleanse from it to like cleanse it from your system, get rid of it. Right. Right. And also stop the habit. Maybe it's like, if you don't have the habit, if you don't have the option to have the habit, you get out of the habit, you know, you're not. Yeah. I agree with what you said. So me being a, um, nutrition coach and a health coach, I see a lot of value to what you said about not necessarily taking it out of your life completely. Like if somebody goes off sugar a hundred percent completely, then, or they just like get it all out of their house that's not necessarily as powerful as having it in your house, but being able to control yourself around that sugar. 
which is easier said than done because some people say, well, I just can't do it. And if I want to get to this goal, this is the only way that works for me. But then the problem is you're still going to be around it in other situations. Maybe it's not in your home, but you could be around it somewhere else. So I think it's like having the skill set. It's ha- learning to have the skill set to have the power, the willpower to just be surrounded by something, but yet able to say no or to be more thoughtful about it. And uh, and honestly, I would say like do whatever works for you. Do whatever works for you to get to your goals. But for me personally, the one thing that has been interesting for me with this money journey is I still have to be around options to spend money. I am every day. You know, we go on this girls trip, shopping is always a part of it. I'm in and out of stores multiple times. I can't avoid that. And it's learning to have maybe better decision-making skills, maybe more patience, maybe more humility, some of those skills along the way that have helped me. Yeah. Well, you're welcome for giving you this goal and this challenge. I feel like I've really just- It's been one month and my life has been changed. (laughs) Well, you were telling me about a book you were reading too called The Psychology of Money. Is that right? Yes. Yes. The Psychology of Money, our cousin Jace recommended it. Shout out on Instagram, but- and I was like, you know what? I my psychology of money is not great right now. My psychology of money could use some work. So I listened to this book on Audible, downloaded Audible for the first time just for this book. I'm going to read you Which a couple. Is, by the way, monumental for you because anytime we ever bring up anything to do with books, you're like, meh, checking out, mm-hmm. shut down. Yeah. <laughs> if it's a podcast, tell me everything. If it's a documentary, if it's like a YouTube clip, I'm I'm in. But if it's a book, I have to read then I am checked out or a sporting this? event You're I have to watch. Yes. Really committed to this money game. Okay. So two quotes I printed out from this book that I thought would be kind of fun to share that have changed the way that I viewed money. Number one, one of the most powerful ways to increase your savings isn't to raise your income. It's to raise your humility. And everybody thinks I just need more money. I just need more money. I need to make more money. How can I make more money? But really, if you just become more humble, it becomes a lot easier to not spend money. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're not so focused on possessions. Well, yeah, you just don't need you don't need as much because you're more content with yourself and you're happy with what you're you're just it's easier for you to say, I'm good how I am. I don't constantly need to be chasing something else to feel good about myself. And so where do you feel like you fall on that scale right now? I I feel really good about myself. <laughs> I, I, but I do think there is a part of my identity that is I am good at buying pretty things. That is part of who I am. It's what makes me special. That's sometimes the story that I tell myself because that is my job. I train other people how to do that well. And And it's a great skill that I have and it's a talent and I'm not mad about it, but it's learning how to control it and also understanding that I can be good at that, but it doesn't mean I constantly have to be buying new things to prove to people that I know how to buy pretty things. Does that make sense? Like it's not, it is this, it is like a really weird money is just very mental and I'm starting to learn. It's a very big mental game. Well, I'm really proud of you. It sounds like you're doing the work. (sighs) Thank you. Like you said, you're only a month in, but- I think you are doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I will be writing a book you about will be money soon part enough. Two psychology of money coming from Kirsten mm-hmm. Grayson. Yeah, everything you need to know. Okay, so also just an update: our sister did end up buying something on Amazon like two days later. <laughs> well, the funniest thing is, as soon as she said, "I'm not, I'm not going to do Amazon," in my head, I'm like, "Okay, yeah, like we'll <laughs> see how long this lasts." Like she lasted goal. a day, and and then the good thing is that she something did come up that would that brought up a big discussion, and we talked about it for a while, and it was like a it was a very thoughtful purchase instead of it being an impulse purchase. But what I said, my tip is I put a lot of things in my shopping cart and then I come back to them later. And if I still feel super strong about it, then then maybe it's a good purchase. Most of the time, I can say, oh, I didn't I don't end up need I didn't end up needing that or I can do without that or I have something that's similar to that. I probably am fine without it, yeah. I think a lot of it, too, is, thinking about how this new purchase will affect your quality of life. Like, is it going to enhance the quality of your life? For her, it was. She wanted to buy a a desk for her treadmill and she would be able to get homework done while she worked out while also 
watching her boys. And I feel oh, like that was a very things. worthy purchase. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I I bought some uh, dirt seed pods for my seed starting, and I feel very justified in that because it brings me a lot of happiness. And, and that will be very fruitful. And yes, and it will feed my whole family, definitely. So in this garden. month, do you feel like there has been anything you have bought that you've had regret about or like, mm. Mm, maybe I should not have bought that? I don't know. I bought one thing on our girls trip really for myself that was a white t-shirt from Nordstrom Rack that was $9.99 or something. And have you I, worn it? I haven't worn it once. Mm-hmm. But it's a short sleeve shirt. It's winter here, you know. Also, I kind of like forgot about it. But so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's something that's interesting because oh, it was a good deal and it's a it was like a cream shirt, which you always need a cream shirt and I but I haven't worn it, which is interesting. So maybe I didn't need it after mm-hmm. all. I will say you did buy something else on the girls trip that you had immediate regret about and you actually went to return it. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, but it wasn't for me. Yes, but yeah, my... it doesn't have to be for you. Yeah, you bought like true. this plastic ball at Toy Story Land. My daughter requested three Toy Story balls. That was her one souvenir she wanted. One for her and then one for each of her friends. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's probably $5. Sure, I'll let you get one for your friends. They were... $15 a piece for, for the like a plastic, plastic ball. ball. Doesn't oh even glow gosh. in the dark. Doesn't even make a no. noise. No, I, 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 and, and they don't have a lot of prices at Disneyland or Disney World. So it just tricked me to thinking, oh, I'm sure it's not that much money. How much could it be? Yeah. I didn't even ask. I just, he said $30 because I ended up getting two. And I, I had immediate regret. And then I spent probably 30 minutes just, deep in despair and then yeah, I, I could tell it was back. on your mind after you were like we were getting dinner after and you're just you you looked a little out of it just yeah it's just really glum but that's a good sign Kirsten that's the buyer's regret and remorse that's a good sign that you are headed in the right direction thank you well we'll continue to give you updates as we often do so I'm gonna keep updating you about my yes. spending but the I just updates that nobody asked for yeah that no one asked for but that are very important for me to share okay back mm-hmm. to important things to share yeah. Okay. This is why we're talking about robots because an AI. This week, Taylor Swift had some photos leaked. I don't even want to say of her. It was someone took her face. Somebody made an AI pornographic image of her and it went all over the internet. And the fact that this can even happen is terrifying. Obviously, I we know that people can Photoshop but this is a to me this is a whole nother level now that we're dealing with. Yeah, so for somebody who doesn't really know what AI is, to explain it in a nutshell, it's basically like you can go there's a lot of different apps and websites, but you can go create something out of nothing. You can tell AI, artificial intelligence to create something, and if you are specific enough, it will create what you have said, what you've asked for. Mhm. Right. And, and it's because it's the internet too, everything happens really fast. Like it's everything spread really quickly. So we, I read an article on USA Today and they said that the whole thing that happened really does highlight how rapidly an explicit image doctored by artificial intelligence can spread, like how quickly that can happen because we saw it happen. And then it's out there. And even though you take it down, people have still screenshot it, saved it to their devices. It's just out there now. Yeah, There's not much you can do about it. You can't take it back no matter how powerful you are or how much money you have. Yeah. So it brought up an interesting discussion about what are we doing about this? I immediately, we messaged our dad, who we're going to have on a little bit later to give some insight, Congressman John Curtis. Yeah, because he does work with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I w- I, there's not a lot, honestly, that I say to him, what are you doing about this? Most of the things that are happening in the world, I just, you know, I'm maybe I don't have as much of a care or I feel like I know enough to even ask him about, but this, but this, I was instantly terrified. And I said, please tell me something's going to happen. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> this this yeah. cannot so be. So we'll get his insights a little bit yeah. later. Right, right, right. And I, what is interesting too, because everyone's saying, how can that be, how can they get away with that? How can that be legal? Well, right now there's only 10 states that even have laws against, it's uh, it's called deep fake porn. There's only 10 states that even have laws that are- that, are, that would be illegal. Yes. Yes. Which is crazy because 
but that's the thing is we don't even know. It's hard for people to know what to make laws against when we're still trying to figure out what this is, like what's even going on here. And where Taylor Swift is from, it's Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. There's not there's there's no laws laws against it. There there are New York where she is a lot. Okay. But But there's also no regulations requirements as of right now for there to be a watermark or a stamp of AI on any, on anything. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to tell really, unless you are, have a really good eye and being able, and you're really observing and fact checking, there's not really a way to tell if it is AI. Right, 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 right. So that's, what's really scary is that how sometimes we don't even, we can't even tell. We don't even know what we're what we're looking at that it is fake, and that's extra scary because because it's fine if you know, but if you don't know, then you're just spreading things around without without knowing that you're you're you feel that you're innocent because you think it's real. Yeah. Well, and here's there's an article here that said it was talking about how parents should explain to their teenagers and their kids how important it is to never share harmful content. And, and that deep fakes are so hard to remove that you need to be careful about respreading these and really trying to do your fact checking and kind of, unfortunately, just starting to look at everything with an eye of skepticism now. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything now to me, I actually just saw a picture on Instagram. It was so pretty. And I thought to myself, how did they get those hydrangeas to be so pink? And then I thought, I bet this is fake. <laughs> like yeah, that's, not, well that, that's how I think now. Every time yeah. something's like too good to be true, in my mind, it is. And that brings up an interesting point how this is going to affect, honestly, both of our, it could affect both of our businesses. You're an interior designer. Mm-hmm. I'm a health coach. For you, how would that affect your business? Well, so this week it got me thinking after Taylor Swift, this thing happened. And I talked with all of our designers at our firm and we had a really good chat about it. I pulled up some images and I said, did you guys know these beautiful images aren't even real? Take a look. These are amazing. I know that they have been popping up all over Instagram. People have been seeing them on Instagram and Pinterest and they didn't, a lot of them didn't know that they were fake, which is really scary because this is what we do for a living, but it's good. They're getting so good people are getting really good at this now and it's getting harder and harder. And I think it's going to continue to get harder to decipher what's real and what's not. So what is interesting about this to me is that there is a lot of good that can come from any, really any technology. And we've seen that with the invention of the internet, right? The invention of smartphones, there's so much good that can come of it. And then as a business owner, we're trying to decide, well, what can we take from this that's helpful, that's good, that we could use to our advantage? And what of this do we need to be worried about? And I have seen there there are people who are coming out with apps and who have done Instagram reels of, you know, if you want to design a room, just plug this certain stuff into a AI software and it will instantly generate a room for you based off of whatever it is that you want the type of designer style that you want it to look like, the types of products you want in it. And we're not there yet. There, there, You can produce a room that looks pretty, but you don't know that it's going to be functional. You don't know if it works for the dimensions that your room has to be. There's still so many things that are required to get a room from A to Z that I'm not super concerned yet, <laughs> but who knows what the future will bring. I still think that there is a lot of benefit to having somebody who knows, who really understands, like a human being who really gets how something comes together, not just how it looks, but how it actually functions. Yeah, 100%. And for me, with my job, I don't, I'm not necessarily worried about it affecting, oh, like I'm going to lose my job as a fitness trainer because of this. But more so, I'm concerned that the idea that people are going to get when they log on to social media, if people are constantly creating these deep fakes, if they are trying to put out, I mean, there was Photoshop and that's one thing, but AI, like we talked about, a whole different level. So if people are AIing before and afters, claiming their clients. Who knows? I don't know how far people will go to try mm-hmm. and get clickbait or followers, et cetera. But that is a concern. And it's, it's a concern thinking about my kids growing up in in an AI world with just never being able to trust what is real on the internet and what's not. It almost makes me want to just shut, shut it all off. But we can't do that. 
No. And like you said, there are a lot of advantages to it and we need to kind of just learn how to use it to our advantage while mm-hmm. also going on in with an eye of skepticism and just not believing everything we see. Just educating yourself. Yeah, because you could be a potential client and you want to hire a designer and you go to their Instagram page or their website and they have a quote unquote portfolio of work that they've done that they've never actually done. Maybe it shows that they have a great eye and a great style, but it doesn't actually show rooms that they've put the hard work into to to learn from mistakes and to educate themselves on how to achieve. It's just an, an, a, a really pretty inspiration or something that they strive to do. And this could be the same like you're saying with people who have doctored body images and they're passing these off as clients. Yeah. And then you're, and then it's hard to know, well, who, what kind of experience does this person have? And they've never actually created a room like this. But if you don't know that these images are fake, then you're going to go in blind. Yeah, exactly. And you were reading an article and it talked about the different dangers of yes. AI. Forbes came out with an article and it's titled The 15 Biggest Risks of Artificial Intelligence. And yeah. we're not going to read all 15, but we're going to highlight a few. So one of them we kind of already talked about was lack of transparency, and that's just not being able to tell if it is AI. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where I stand right now if I would say, yes, I 100% believe that everything that has AI should have an AI watermark, or no, it's okay for that to not be the case, and people should be able to use it to further their careers, et cetera. So I don't know. That's something I think maybe I'll form more of an opinion on Mm -hmm. maybe after we talk to our dad. Yeah. And the problem I know he said with watermarks is that not everyone's going to use them. And that's the hard thing with anything that you try and make a law. Some people are going to abide by it and some people are not. So you're saying those who created the Taylor Swift deep fakes are not going to be... I don't think that they would have been too concerned. No, I don't. I don't yeah, think so. it might not be on <laughs> the, the watermark forefront yeah. of their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Another big risk is obviously privacy concerns. You know, we're, we have so much information out about ourselves on the internet now, and now it's going to become even easier for people to access that and to be able to use not just your information, but your photos to do whatever they want with. That's obviously terrifying. Yes. And our dad will have a lot more to say about this. So we'll Mm -hmm. kind of leave that at that because this is definitely one of his fields of expertise and something that he works hard with is privacy concerns. Another one was dependence on AI. And this is an interesting one because we all know um, ChatGPT can, I've used that, you've used it, kids have used it to create articles and essays for school, et cetera. And this is where I'm like, I don't under, I don't know, maybe the future is with AI will progress our creativity or maybe it will hinder it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. What do you think? Yeah, I do think that we're going to start using it like we do with a calculator where it just becomes a tool for kids to use at school. I honestly think that's where we're headed. I don't think people are going to, I don't think schools are going to be able to fight this. I think they're going to have to embrace it. So you're saying maybe rather than kids being given assignments to do essays now, it's going to be more training them how to use AI? I think so. I think so. But I I don't know. It will be very interesting. I just don't – right now that's not happening. Um, But I mean it is happening, but not that teachers have embraced it. I think that they know it's going on. They know that it's happening and it's really hard to decipher – okay, how do we crack down on it? What do we do? I don't know if they're still trying to figure it out. But I also think that if you embrace it and you start using it as a teaching and learning aid and a tool, maybe, maybe there's a lot that can be done with that to still teach children. There's, they can still gain an education with this tool now, instead of being afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. The last one we want to highlight is job displacement. Yeah. So that is really scary. <laughs> but but I will say loss of sleep comes in. Yeah. I will say the Forbes article does it does say that um although there is evidence that AI and other emerging technologies they will create more jobs than they eliminate. That's what they're predicting and obviously we'll see. Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. So maybe there will be some jobs we lose, but hopefully there will be some jobs that we gain in the meantime. So I also found an article by USA Today 
titled What Jobs Are Most Exposed to AI? And exposed as in what jobs should be most scared? <laughs> okay. Should you be so, scared? Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. If you're afraid of losing your job, maybe don't. Also, by the way, this article, super weird. I, some of these things don't really make sense to me. So just take that for what it is. But I thought it might be interesting to read through some of these and get your thoughts on it, Emily. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with high exposure, which is you. your job is probably going to be replaced okay. and you should be nervous. <laughs> so. so buckle up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. First, budget analysis. So the people who are analyzing a budget, watch out. Okay. Okay. So, also in conjunction with that, people who prepare taxes. Now they're not coming right out and saying accountants or tax accountants. So I'm not really sure what the difference is between the person, the tax preparer, but this is specifically tax preparer. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of a specifically a tax preparer. I've heard of accountants, mm-hmm. but look but these, out. Tax these people are out there. Yeah. <laughs> they should be worried. Okay. Really anyone that's doing a uh, data entry, it says any data entry people are okay. uh, should be nervous. So which that would is our be brother. our brother. Yeah, we gotta talk to him about it and let him know. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening, you might want to look for a different job. Yeah. Also, web developers. So these are these seems like a lot of data entry technical type of jobs that could be. Which none of that's super surprising to me. Okay, and this could be years down the road. Hmm. No. Yeah, could be tomorrow. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Could be years down the road. I do think it will be years down the road, but what might end up happening is that you are having these people step in and helping to maybe build algorithms for AI. These people are still useful in kind of guiding and training and developing the AI, at least for now. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Okay. So the mediocre okay, is medium, it- medium, not mediocre, medium exposure. Okay. So this <laughs> so, is it. Like- these people are not mediocre. Okay. These people are valuable. Me- <laughs> medium exposure is going to be veterinarians, which is so interesting. Nowhere does it say doctor, by the way, but okay. a veter- for, if you are a doctor for animals, no one cares if you're a robot, I guess. <laughs> So maybe because dogs are, it's like they need less of the human telling them their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like dogs are maybe okay with having yeah. a, robot a robot tell them. I guess. I guess so, so I guess the idea here is maybe you would go into AI, AI website and type mm-hmm. in your pet's symptoms and then AI would tell you what they have and how to treat it. Yeah, but that's already happening on the internet for humans too. But maybe maybe you take them into a veterinary clinic and you're met by a robot of some kind. No who, way. Oh, uh, who takes you back and who talks to you and then who does a surgery on your animal. That seems to be what they're predicting. <laughs> okay. And then um, sales managers. So not the people who are doing the sales, but the people who are managing the sales are at okay. some medium exposure. Um, I don't even really want to read this because it's like laughable, but it does say interior designers. So, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just go past that I would that say one. if it's interior designer, we're really looking at any designer, graphic designer, fashion designer, right? Any designer. Yeah. Um, I I want to add one. Can I add one to this list? Sure. For medium Forbes? exposure, do you think? No, I think actually high exposure would okay. be models. Mm. Because I could, if I'm a clothing company, I am going to put more energy, I think, into creating AI models mm-hmm. than I would actual models because then you take out the step of having to Photoshop mm-hmm. and I just feel like it would be so much easier. Yeah. I sent you – did I send it to you? Did I send you that lady that was a that was an AI-generated yes. Instagram yeah. model? And, and she I looked she 100% was real. So pretty. Looked 100% real. And if I saw her on any retail e-commerce – clothing site, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I would have mm-hmm. just thought there's a perfect looking human being. I should buy all those clothes that she's wearing. Yeah. So it is, yeah, I think model is a great, obviously not for in-person fashion runway shows, but who's going to those? Not you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. One yeah. Day. But yeah. yeah, if you're um, aspiring, an aspiring model, maybe just have a backup career. Mm-hmm. Not, maybe, yeah. you sh- maybe you might need, you know, Well, your backup career cannot be a veterinarian, just so you know. Okay. Nor a sales manager. Okay. 
Low exposure, which these make a lot of sense to me. Some do, some don't. Um, firefighters, nobody wants that to be a robot, it sounds like. Yes. Which makes sense. <laughs> um, also, childcare workers, which I a thousand percent do not want a robot watching my child. No so way. That, yes. Um, dishwashers was an interesting choice. I don't really, I don't really know what to say about it because I don't get that. I guess you can always be a dishwasher, Kirsten, if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Not a veterinarian, but yes to a dishwasher. Also those who cut people's hair, it says barbers, but I would say that's, this applies to anyone who's cutting hair. Yeah. Let's include cosmetologists on this. Yeah. Yeah, Those people are safe for now. It sounds like. Okay. Great. Is that it? There's some other ones, but they're kind of weird. So anyway, okay. yeah. Um, yes. So we are going to, yeah, like, let's talk about that. Do you feel okay in your job as a fitness health specialist? I mean, yes. Um, but also, I, I the thing about my job is a lot of people appreciate the accountability to a person. Mm. A lot of people will hire me just so that they can have somebody to even be accountable to. And I don't know if they would feel that same connection if they were being accountable to a robot. Yeah, but you could program a robot to be like really mean and chew you out and then you'd be really scared. Yeah, but robots don't necessarily function off of emotion. Yeah. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, and sometimes they do in the movies, but yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, no, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Okay. Well, let's get the professional on because as much as we think we know about this, we really don't. I want, I'm excited to talk to Congressman John Curtis, who's actually in Washington, D.C., trying to make things happen when it comes to this issue. Yes, let's do it. Hey, we have Representative John Curtis here with us, our dad. You want to say hi? Hello. I would actually welcome prefer back. the title dad to Representative Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, welcome. We're happy to have you back. This is your... I'm a, a frequent uh, guest and I hope that continues. I hope I don't do anything that blows my invitations to come back here. Yeah, we'll see. I doubt it. You never know. <laughs> we'll see. So Emily and I just talked about AI, and we we have done a little bit of research. We've talked to some of our friends. We've read some articles, but we don't know nearly as much as you do. You're You're at the front lines right now of this. I think this is something that for us feels a little unnerving. But we're hoping that by talking to you, you can put some of our fears at ease. Let's start with what happened with Taylor Swift. Can that happen again to anybody? And what are we doing about it? So uh, not only can it, but it does. And I think one of the things about Taylor Swift is she is so well known that everybody heard about this. But uh, it's happened and continues to happen on a pretty regular basis, but doesn't grab those types of headlines. And, you know, as a politician, you have to worry about somebody doing some type of, of deep fake uh, with something I would say, or an image of me doing something. Uh, you imagine if they did it the day before the election and you don't have time to respond to it. So it's a thing and it's out there and it's a, it's actually a big thing. And certainly if that happened, you could come out and say, this is fake, but there's a lot of people who will see that and not necessarily see your statement following and will just kind of believe everything that they see. Well, and if you look at the Taylor Swift uh, incident, she has tremendous resources to try to, to scrub the internet as the best she can. And even with all of her resources, um, first of all, before she even had a chance to do it, much of the damage was done. And then there's really no way that even with all of her resources, you can pull it all back. So imagine most people who don't have near the resources that she does to deal with it, And there's really no way that you can control what's already out there. Yeah, it's so scary. So what what are we doing about it right now? Is is Washington DC talking about this? Is this something that we're actively trying to help with? Yeah, I'm on the what they call the the committee of jurisdiction, and so I see firsthand. um, And I would tell you that uh, almost weekly we're meeting on this. Uh, We're bringing in experts. I've I've met in the last several weeks with uh, experts from Microsoft, experts from Google and uh, other industries who who come in and talk to us about it from their perspective. Um, There's a gentleman by the name of Jay Obernolte. He's a a representative from California who, um, when he was in college, he worked his way through college using AI to program video games. 
um, and he has a master's uh, in, in this subject. He's leading a special task force on it. So I would say Congress is taking this very seriously. Um, it's hard to legislate. And let me give you a couple of examples. If we uh, put some really tough laws in place, there's nothing to stop China or uh, Russia. They won't obey our laws. And so all we do is hand, handicap the innovation here in the United States if we put too much regulation on. And so we're trying to find that sweet spot between the appropriate regulation and not forcing this overseas. And what would some of that regulation look like? What, what can even be done? What can be attempted to be done? Well, one of the ideas that we're talking about is that everything that's generated by AI would have to have some kind of watermark, some type of label on it. And um, that sounds like a really good idea. Of course, why wouldn't we do that? And the answer is, well, um, the, the, the bad guys are not going to put the watermark on mm-hmm. and the good guys are. And yeah. so just because it doesn't have a watermark doesn't guarantee you that it's, you know, here again, we can have a law that has to have a watermark, but that doesn't mean they're going to follow that law. So as one of the topics we brought up was privacy concerns. Yeah. And can you touch on that a little bit? Well, uh, privacy is a big issue and it's, it's, it's related and unrelated too, because privacy is an issue even without AI. But um, the, there's vast concerns about, if you think about all the information stored by, let's just even say a Walmart or a Target, that uh, everything you've ever purchased from them, your buying habits, the time of day that you shop, the types of things that you buy. And you think about all that data, look, look at your cell phone, all the data that, that your cell phone has, it knows where you've been and when you were there. And, and the places you go and the people you talk to. And if AI got a hold of that data um, and used it inappropriately, imagine um, what could happen, you know, all the things that could go wrong with that. It's, it's almost too many things could go wrong to even list them. Can you give some examples of how AI could use that inappropriately? Yeah. So um, if, if you go back to Taylor Swift and, and they pry into her life and they can get far more detailed about it and make it sound more real. Um, and um, they know where you're going to be and when you're going to be there and the likelihood that you'll be there and all of those things are known about you. There's, there's a tremendous amount of mischief that can take place. But now let me say, let's talk about the good for a minute too, because uh, let me give you an example of good. So if you think about uh, Ancestry.com and 23andMe, think of all the data they have and if they used AI to look at that data and try to find trends for diseases, um, that's a tremendous advantage and, and speeds up um, cures in, in a remarkable way. And so that's a really good example of, of the positive that can come out of this. Um, but people have to be okay with their data being used. So now the bad side of that, back to your point, Emily, what if it used that data and your insurance company came to you and said, we're not going to insure you because uh, the AI says you have a high likelihood of cancer. Mm. And you, you can see now how that data could be used mm-hmm. in a way that would be very detrimental for you. Yeah, well, it's like with most technology and advances, there's a lot of scary things that come with it and a lot of bad that can come with it, but there's a lot of good as well. So it reminds me of when when you all were just young kids and we were introducing computers into the household and we made, we, we had a rule that you had to use a computer up in the kitchen and it was the same thing. It's like, look at all the good that can come from that darn computer and look at all the bad. But now what's happened is, is we've taken that times it not by 10, not by a hundred, not by a thousand, probably by a million times the, the highs and lows of the good and the bad that can happen with that. And there's just a whole lot more at risk. So it's, it's most, I think it really comes down to educating yourself, being aware, because like you said, we can even make laws, but things are still going to happen. So it's important that we are aware that this could happen also to be teaching our kids that they need to be really cautious with what they're putting on the internet, what pictures they're putting out there, and also help them to have the discernment for when they see something to understand that maybe this isn't real. Well, absolutely. And, and uh, this is where the father gets to say, I told you so, <laughs> because I've been, I've been saying to, to my family for a long time, um, yeah, you know, these, uh, when you're storing these images out there, that means anybody really has access to them. And, and I, people should really think and assume 
that if you're keeping it up on the cloud, it will be seen by somebody you don't want to see it. So would you recommend that we scale that back, the sharing of pictures and information? Well, because I, I don't know I do. that that will happen with yeah. the next so generation. If, if you look at my life, you know, there are a lot of people that would would um, take pleasure in getting into my email. There are a lot of people that take pleasure in right getting into any of my data. And I always have this rule in mind when I send an email that I have to assume everybody will see it. And so another way to approach that, Kirsten, is is it's near impossible, right, to, to, to pull all this back in and say, don't put anything out there on the internet. But when you do, maybe just ask yourself, am I okay if this, if this is exploited and, and, and taken and by somebody uh, who I don't want to have it? Yeah, just makes you think twice. So for the average person like me who doesn't have a big platform, who's not well-known, do you think it should be as far on the front on the forefront of my mind as it would be for somebody like you who is a lot more well known? Well, I think it's fair to say, right? Like, there's a warrant for my arrest in China. China doesn't like me, so mm -hmm. the, the odds that they're snooping into my emails, right, is extremely high. And it's not the same for you. But the world we're moving into is going to make this a bigger and bigger deal. And and you want to just be thinking, and you're also at a stage in your life where you don't know in, in ten years. Uh, you know, who will be interested in into hacking into you or getting uh, your information or using AI against you. And so you kind of have to assume in, in the future that you that you, you won't be anonymous, that there will be a time when somebody would want to look at your, your information. So going back to the highs and the lows, what about we Emily and I touched on job displacement or yeah. job elimination. <laughs> what do, what are your thoughts about that? Because obviously, you care about the economy. You care about jobs. That's important. So what what do you say to people who start to get nervous about this, replacing their jobs? Well, I think it, it's fair to be nervous. First of all, let me say that. I, I don't blame people for being nervous. Uh, but I would, I would tell you that throughout history, I, I can't really think of an innovation that didn't threaten to replace jobs, but actually created more jobs. Let's Let's, I'll go all the way back into the creation of the will. You could easily say, well, when they created the will, we're not going to need as many people to carry bricks around, right? Because we can put them in a cart and move them. Mm -hmm. um, and then moving you know, to not too many years ago when the computer came out, imagine, uh, I think everybody uh, who worries about AI worried at the time the computer came out that it also would replace uh, many jobs. And all it did was create more jobs. It will displace people and it will change jobs and and one of the, my worries is if if you don't have a highly skilled education for for high technical things, will it leave you behind? And I do worry a lot about that. I think the jobs that will be created probably are going to require a lot more skill, a lot more education. Um, and and so I'm very worried about people who who don't have an aptitude for that, um, or who who don't have an interest in that, and uh, will they be left behind? But hmm. let me pivot just a minute. Let's talk about a real life example. We talked about in one of my meetings in Congress last week, and that is in medicine. So we talked just briefly about how AI can can um, you know figure out uh, diseases and, and cures, but it also can help you determine what make why you're sick in a much quicker way and a much more efficient way. But are you willing to go to a doctor uh, that is not a human being and is just AI? and hear your, your, your diagnosis, I don't think so. I think you're always gonna want a doctor to deliver that diagnosis that he used he or she used AI to, to, to get. Does that make sense? Yeah, so and, it's more of a, par a partnership, like yeah, human and, beings and, and AI working together. Yeah, and it means that that doctor is now gonna be a lot more accurate um, mm -hmm. with that diagnosis and um, that they're going to, to be able to look far and wide and, and consider things Diseases they may never have heard of, AI may help may help them identify when they wouldn't have otherwise done it. But I'm going to think you're still going to want a doctor giving you that news and talking through possible treatments um, and helping you make a good decision about those treatments. Because correct me if I'm wrong, as of right now, AI does not have emotion, right? There's no emotion that can be tied to AI. So this is really important, Emily. Let me just point out. Um, AI in, in the world we know today only has the ability 
to take data that is out there and represent that data. And so I think a lot of people will watch this, you know, science fiction movie where AI takes over the world and machines take over. That's just not a reality, at least today. Now, mm-hmm. Who knows where AI goes? But, um, and, and I'll give you a really good example, chat GPT. Most people don't know this, but it doesn't have any information after 2019. They cut off its learning at 2019. So if you ask chat GPT about something that came along after 2019, it won't know what it is. And so really? even AI has its limitations, but AI is, is, is advancing quickly, very, very quickly. And, and, and what we know of AI today won't be AI tomorrow. But in today's world, AI does not have the ability. It can try its very best to be empathetic with you, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as a human being. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the pro of having an actual doctor there to talk through the solutions with you could help. So you're saying you don't think AI will ever take over our world? I don't. <laughs> you didn't see know it. that you were going to have to answer that question. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just telling you that it is it is still limited. It, it can learn from additional information, but it can't right. It can't make up additional information. Is there a reason it got cut off at 2019 for ChatGPT? Yeah. So what it, what what I learned because as I looked into this is is the way these things currently work is they give it a set of data to learn from. And, and if and that data does not grow, in the case of ChatGPT, they want that, a, you know, they want brackets around that data. And ChatGPT learns from all that data uh, inside of it, and it's not adding in new data. Now, I'm sure that's one of the things in the future that will change, and it will be able to pick up new data, but that's the current model for ChatGPT. So you're not too concerned with doctors being replaced. What about politicians? Do you see <laughs> Do you see a place for AI in the world of politicians? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thing, though, right? I mean, a politician can use AI to to understand trends. It can use AI to predict the future. It can use AI right for all sorts of things. But who's going to go back and do a town hall meeting using AI only, listening to angry constituents? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think AI, it, it, you know, in the world we know today, it's not going to do a very good job at that. We did talk about how um, AI could replace, Kirsten listed off a whole list of jobs, but one of them was fundraisers. Can you see, I mean, you're in the world of fundraising with your campaigns. Can you see an advantage that AI could have for that? Certainly. So um, I have colleagues that will send out emails or letters around and they try to rile people up and say, hey, you know, the world's going to explode. Please send me $200 so I can make sure it doesn't explode. Well, that message, if it's refined by AI, AI has the ability to go out into, let's say, Emily or Kirsten's social media, find the things that matter to them. And AI could refine that message and, and increase dramatically the likelihood that you would respond favorably to that. Mm-hmm. And it and, and it's, it's not worried about time. Like it would take a human being, a human being could do that, but it just take them a really long time. Well, AI doesn't have that same constraint. And so absolutely. But now let me ask this. If, if uh, I wanted to ask uh, either one of you for a large contribution to my campaign and I didn't do it in person, what's the likelihood that you would donate? Yeah, it definitely decreases the chances if I'm just getting uh, an email I, I mean, I probably wouldn't even read the email most, yeah, most of the time. Will. Some people do. And AI here again, AI has the ability to, to deliver that email in the way that you are most likely to open it because it can go tell, you know, it has the ability mm-hmm. to get in and find out what time of day you look at your email. It has the type uh, ability to look at what type of emails you're most likely to open. And that's the beauty of AI is that, that ability to learn everything about Emily and her patterns and what's going to be most likely to get her to look at that email. What would that be for you, Kirsten? Um, right now I'm really into newsies. So I'm just like in a deep uh, musical theater hole on my YouTube. So, so I don't know. I like, have no idea. <laughs> if you don't donate to this, then musical theaters <laughs> might be non-existent. You know what? The AI algorithm is going to have a hard time with me because my interests change day by day. And I'm all over the place. So, so I don't know. If I were um, the, the AI guy, I would say, ah, can't fool me. And their mm-hmm. algorithms can actually start learning that you do change um, mm-hmm. and anticipating that change. 
And hmm. that's they're on top of it. Think about unlimited time and unlimited ability to, to, to use data and, and, and compare you to people like you and people who, who um, swim in your circles, right? And do all of those mm -hmm. things and predict what your next interest will be. And I think it might surprise you how accurate it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am, I feel better. I, I feel somewhat worse, but also mostly better <laughs> about the future. I think, I think that there, I think the thing that is most hard is there's still so many unknowns. We're just tapping into this, but it's moving so quickly. The advancements are happening so fast. It sometimes feels like we won't be able to stay on top of it. But I, I do feel better knowing that there are people like you out there who are trying and also that we can make the best of this situation, that it can be a really good thing. Yeah, I'll just tell you this, the statistic I heard is that every two years, our AI ability is increasing by um, tenfold. And so, mm. uh, so think about how exponential that is. That's, that's not, it, so in four years, right, it's now... It, it, it exponentially grows at a rate much quicker than how we've advanced, for instance, on the internet and, and other advancements. That's also been quick, but we're advancing much quicker on AI. Well, 20 years down the road, you are all going to be so grateful that you listened to this podcast because mm -hmm. it prepared you for AI. Hopefully you can get on the right side of AI and use it to your advantage. And I feel like I did become less ignorant in AI. Kirsten, what about you? Yes. Yeah. I, I feel more prepared, more equipped and more optimistic, which is what I was looking for. So thank you so much, dad, for coming on. Oh, I hope I've invited back. Can't wait for my next one. You, sure will you will be. <laughs> thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, download and share with a friend.